Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on Heaven Sent and Bent. You are listening to me on TalkZone.com. I am very excited about today's show, and you are probably going to be excited to have me say that um, it is not sunny and bright in the Pacific Northwest today. I don't know how many of you live in other parts of the world and you get tired of me talking about how wonderful and beautiful it is here. Um, but, uh-oh. All right. So, anyway, uh, I'm not going to be doing that. I'm going to be talking about the fact that it's rainy, but I love raininess. And I am I am okay with it being rainy. Um, anyway. So um, I wanted to let you know that today's topic is really, really interesting and important to me. Over the weekend, I happened to watch a documentary called The Human Experiment. And although they didn't talk about bipolar, they did talk about a lot of other uh, diseases and people, things that people are suffering with that have the percentage of people that are suffering with different things has increased since the mid-70s. And some of the things that they talked about were uh, infertility, uh, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, breast cancer, autism. And they they didn't put bipolar underneath that, that, um, that caption, but I believe that all of the things that we're struggling with on a huge basis in this day and and age has to be tied to something. Why is there such an increase from 1975, 43% increase in infertility? Um, you know, in 19, I believe the, the, the statistic was from the mid nineties. Um, one in 500 children were diagnosed with autism. Now it's one in 68. The North American continents have the highest amount of multiple sclerosis in the world. Why is that? Why are we suffering with multiple sclerosis when Europe is not and East Asia and other other countries are not dealing with to the, to the extent that we are here in America? And, um, you know, just um, Parkinson's disease, all of these other diseases. And they so this particular documentary, again, called The Human Experiment, was talking about environmental environmental things that they think could be a cause. And so it just makes you question if something as simple, and which is not simple, but something as what used to be an uncommon thing is now so prevalent, and that would be bipolar. Um, and so my, my guest today is Michelle Cannon. And Michelle is what I consider to be an expert in uh, dealing with uh, having bipolar um, what would you call it, Michelle? Uh, it's not, is it, it's not really a disease. What would you call bi, how do you classify bipolar, having bipolar? Well, Michelle, well it is, it is definitely a mood disorder. It does, it is categorized as a mental illness, although I don't particularly like that term. There are certain aspects of it that do qualify it as okay. a mental illness. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I, and Michelle, Michelle Cannon is, um, you know, she's a, a homeschooler. She's a blogger. She's an author. She's a mom. And, but what I think makes her an expert is the fact that I'm sorry, these are the people who research and deal with it with any kind of disease or illness of any kind. It's the moms, it's the caretakers, it's the people that live with these illnesses and diseases that really become the experts. And that's why I consider Michelle an expert. And let me just give you a little bit of background. I met Michelle through a new social media um, platform called Periscope. And Michelle was doing a Periscope with her daughter, and they were talking about dealing with uh, being having bipolar. And it was so refreshing to see the love between her and her daughter, the uh, the way her, her daughter was free, felt free to talk about it. And that's how I met Michelle. So, Michelle, thank you for joining me this morning. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And Michelle, tell tell our people a little bit about your progression to where you began to focus your attention on dealing and living with uh, the you know mental illness of, called bipolarism. Okay. Well, um, over I, I am a mom, and uh, I have five children, four of whom are diagnosed with bipolar disorder. But that really isn't where it started. Um, I've known other people with it. My best friend had it. Um, and we were best friends from the 1980s. And unfortunately, she committed suicide a few years ago. And um, then um, my children's father had it. And I didn't fully understand it. I didn't. I mean, I lived with him, obviously. And I knew he had it. But I did not fully understand it. When you go doing research, when you look at books, when you look at websites, it is very limited and um, rather generalized what they say uh, uh, the symptoms are. And there, there really isn't a lot of information about the exact symptoms. Why do they do this? Why are they so angry? Why do they say hateful things? Why do they sleep for days? Why do they not sleep for days? There's not a lot of information on that. And so when he was with us, uh, I didn't understand. I didn't understand. I was always upset with him and frustrated with him and so on and so forth. But um he unfortunately uh passed away 5 years ago and he actually committed suicide and um so now it's me and his children and um my children because they have it and I am that kind of mom that you spoke of I am not the kind of mom that someone says oh here's your diagnosis and a pill Mm-hmm. And then I go on about my merry way. I, I have to know. I have to understand. I have to research. I have to, I observe. I watch. I listen. I make mental notes. I want to understand what they're thinking, why they're thinking it. What causes that? How do you make it stop? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I become rather, um, fixated mm-hmm. <laughs> or on, on whatever is happening with my children. With, and exactly. So, and well, so, and it's it's what they call, you know, what they used to call that mother bear, you know, when you feel <laughs> yes. as though your children are in danger, you know, and then having their father commit suicide, obviously that had to set you even higher on the protection, you know, in the protection mode. And so, yeah, you're on a mission. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, with my children, the onset of this illness was 
you know, it varied. Two of them were about 11 or 12 when it on set. Um, and, and one of them was an adult when it, when it finally on set, but my youngest was born with it, but I, I didn't know that until she was seven, almost eight years old. Mm-hmm. I knew something was different. I knew she was very much like her father. I knew sometimes her thinking was, you know, leaving us standing right. there scratching our heads like, what is she thinking? But, right. um, but it wasn't until she was almost eight that I found out that not only did she have it, she had always had it, which really explained her infancy. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you that. And looking back as an infant, um, what were some things that you recognized that you thought, wow, that it, like, like you were talking about the circadia rhythms. Did she never sleep? Was she, yeah. um, uh, an angry baby or what were some things that you noticed or you can look back and see? Yes and yes. <laughs> um, I used to say, I used to say when she was a baby, I used to tell my friends, this child, this child, she fights sleep like it's Satan himself. I don't understand. And a lot of people just kind of, you know, laughed and dismissed yeah. it like, well, babies don't sleep. No, I'm saying right. she doesn't sleep. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and she screamed 22 hours a day. She screamed all the time. She was not happy. It was, um, it was very frustrating and, and I remember th- saying to, to my other kids, wow, it's a good thing she's the fifth one. Had she been the first one and I had nothing to compare it to, I never would have had a second one. Um, you know, but I knew something wasn't right. I just didn't know what it was. Right. I right. just didn't know what it was, but it wasn't until she was older that I saw this, um, sort of spiraling um we would get up in the morning and um she by 11 o'clock she was getting irritable testy just just grumpy with people by one o'clock she would be in a full-blown rage by nine o'clock at night she was in a depression and didn't want to live and then i start you know and this was every single day and i started thinking what what is wrong here something's wrong here and right. bipolar in a child does not look the same as bipolar in adult, an adult, an adult. I can't talk. <laughs> it doesn't look the same. So okay. when my other children had an onset, it was recognizable. I was, mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's what the, that's what their dad did. Oh, that's how right. this person, I could see it, but with her, it, it looked like a completely different thing and so I didn't recognize it right well and now you know speaking about like you were saying uh with your husband do you also see other because there is a genetic uh string that links bipolar disorder so when you look back on um you know he has gone passed on but do you see it in his other his siblings or anything like that do you see that it is definitely there's a genetic link to it well, his father has it, and okay. um, he has two siblings um, who are who are twins, uh, fraternal twins, a, a brother and a sister. Now, mm-hmm. I don't, I have contact with the brother. I just saw him a few days ago at a party, but mm-hmm. he he does not have it. I cannot speak on his twin sister. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, right, I, right. Some of the family members suspect it, but I can't say that, and I don't right. know because I'm not around right. her. But right. um, but there's definitely um, 
his father had it and he had it right. and both both of his children have it. Mm, okay. There's definitely, well, and there is, a, you know, not even having to look at my own family. It's right. documented. It's, it's scientific. It, there is a genetic link. Right. And what do you think the hardest thing to do as far as getting a diagnosis? Because there, if you were to separate all of the symptoms of bipolar disorder and you were to say, like, for example, the circadian rhythm. So maybe you have someone who stays up all night but wants to sleep all day. So they might say, well, I'm a night owl. You know, I'm a musician. I'm a, I'm an artist. Uh, you know, that's, I bet I function best in the day. So that's one, you know, and it's probably true. You know, and then you have someone who has anger issues. So that might just be a separate thing right there. And then you have someone who, um, is moody, you know. So uh, what is it that combine, you know, you can have each of those typical personality quirks and not have bipolar disorder. But is right. there something that links those all together where you can go, yeah, but fill in the blank? Yeah, but you have periods of mania or hypomania. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, that is what's going to make or break the diagnosis. Unfortunately, I don't think that the DSM, uh, which is the the American authoritative uh book that that, um, the psychiatric field uses to diagnose mental illnesses. I don't think it's very accurate because Mm. not everyone has the same periods of hypomania or mania um, Mm. and they don't have the same severity and Mm. to try to have a one-size-fits-all excludes people who would otherwise be getting help. And so that's that's one issue, but um, but yes, typically, now there are different types of bipolar disorder, um, but a person with bipolar type 1, for instance, may may experience periods of mania, mm-hmm. um, whereas a person with bipolar type 2 will not, but they will okay. experience hypomania. Okay, so explain then, that. Talk about that. Talk about okay, the so, mania and hypomania. Okay, so mania, with mania... Um, there is typically some delusional thinking going on and, and how a person behaves during that is, um, definitely it's their own thing. So while you might have somebody who gets very euphoric and feels invincible and, and, and thinks they can do, do things like jump off a building and fly. Okay. That's not everybody. Not everybody experiences something that extreme. Right. Uh, and not everybody who is in a mania is euphoric. They're not all happy and excited it, it, that's that's not everyone. There are right. those who, when they're in that stage, are experiencing an extreme mixture of sadness and anger, mm-hmm. and it shows it presents itself as rage. But there's actually a pain there. There's actually a pain underlying that rage, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's what I have dealt with, and I. So I've never seen that other kind. I've never seen that kind of mania where they're happy. I, that's not what runs through this, this family. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so well, um, and I, I like what you said in that one article that you wrote where you talked to someone who said, even when I'm euphoric, even when I appear to be happy and just so excited about life, 
really deep in my heart, I'm, I'm, you know, mentally, I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? I, I don't even like this. This is, this is not a good thing. And they're not real. They don't really even know. They think they don't really know what happiness is, even when they appear physically to be happy. Which right. is sad. <laughs> my, it was my 10 year old daughter. Well, she was 10 at the time. She's 12 now, but she was the one who said in a, in one of her depressed modes, she was telling me that even when she's happy, even when she's having fun inside, she's hurting inside. Mm. She's sad. Mm. Um, now in a depressed mode, in that depressed phase, they, they really are thinking that way. Right. Um, they cannot even. And I said this in that one scope that you had popped in on, but mm-hmm. when they're in that, that particular phase uh, or that particular mood, it's like someone has slammed the door shut on all of their positive thoughts and positive mm-hmm. memories. So right. even, even if you say to the person, well, but we were having such a good time yesterday and right. no, I was just pretending. I was pretending, oh. you were pretending, um, oh. nobody loves me, nobody loves anybody. It's not just that nobody loves them. They truly believe that nobody actually loves anybody else. It's all fake. It's all pretense. Oh, oh yeah. And so telling them I love you is important, but it's not going to change what they're feeling right then. They're, they're going right. to disagree with you, but you should still tell them. <laughs> right, so, right. But that explains so much because, it, you know, you, when you see, and, and I loved your article that you wrote about Robin Williams because I think exactly what you said touched so many people in the same way. It was as if, you know, I mean, I hear, you know, a lot of, every year when you watch the Oscars, they do the memoriam and they show the, the, the actors and the famous people that have passed on. And you kind of look at it, you go, oh gosh, I loved her. She was great. Oh, I loved her in this movie. And oh, that's so sad that they've passed on. But there was something about Robin Williams passing on that touched people in such a personal way. And I don't know why he, he touched people, but I think it's because he was so brilliant and everything he did was just so amazing that we really did feel the loss. But when what you said in that article about exactly is like people would say, but he had children that loved him. He had a wife that loved him. He had, you know, his, you know, even though they had canceled his show, there, there were things going on in his future. He had a movie coming out and they just can't understand why people can't count their blessings. You know, right. as they say. Well, it's yeah. hard to count them if they're locked away and right. and you can't see them. And right. that is exactly what I've seen in in watching my children that when they're in that state and particularly my youngest because she does have type 1 uh which the difference between that and type 2 is is it's a, I, I don't want to say it's subtle, and yet it's not huge, but I think the emotions and everything are the same. Mm-hmm. But with type 2, they're, for instance, people look at my 17-year-old, and, and they can be around her, and they go, wow, I, I would never know that you had this. Right. In comparison to her sister, no, you wouldn't. No, you uh, wouldn't. Yeah. Because... Because when my youngest feels something or thinks something, it's coming out of her mouth. She's saying it. I'm this. Yeah. I'm that. Or she's really oh. physically happy. Or she's, you know, you, she her feelings are right there for everybody to see. Whereas my older daughter, who has type 2, 
those feelings aren't so readily available. She can walk around in a rage, and I won't even know she's in a rage and mm-hmm. unless she gets very mildly snippy with somebody and I go, oh, she tucks mm-hmm. it in. She can, she can, right. um, it, it's just not so out there. It's not so uncontrollable. Right, um, right. But my youngest, her, her emotions are uncontrollable. But mm-hmm. in, in talking to them and watching them, that is the case with the depression. And so, you know, when I wrote that article about Robin Williams, it's because of the experience that I have had, right. but it just, it just, it, it broke my heart. It saddened right. me greatly to think in the, in those moments when he made the decision to do that, he did not feel loved. And I don't know what was or wasn't going on in his life or if it even mattered right. because the depression doesn't have to have an external right. cause or right. trigger. Right. Exactly. But, exactly. But he obviously felt he was in that place where he could not access any good times, any good memories, any, um, right. any memories of people loving him at that moment. And, and that just, that's, that's such a sad thing to think that someone died thinking that. Right. Thinking exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think too, the important thing like that you're talking about is the fact that as in all disorders, as in all illnesses, there, it is a spectrum. It isn't just autism that has a spectrum. There are a lot of different disorders and illnesses have a spectrum. And so it is difficult to pinpoint and it is, it is unfortunate that people have a hard time even accepting it because maybe their, their disorder is not to the degree of someone else who they know has that same disorder. And so they look at someone who might have, like you say, a different type or a more severe case and they go, well, I don't act like that. So I certainly, you know, couldn't have the same thing. And, and also the fact that, you know, we all, you know, we all have a tendency to want to go, Hey, I'm just human. Humans have bad days, right? Humans have days where you can't go to sleep at night. They have insomnia and other days when they are moody or they, you know, feel depressed. But people who actually have the disorder, um, I think they recognize it, but I think the hardest thing is not knowing what to do about it. So talk a little bit about what you've done to get the diagnoses that you needed for your children and how you started even having to homeschool your children because, you know, people who have a circadian rhythm issue, uh, you know, being at school at 820, not going to work. So talk, <laughs> talk, yeah, so yes. talk about that. Yes. Well, I, um, okay. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, you All talked right, so about your husband, you know, who, who A, didn't even recognize that he had a disorder. And then when he did recognize it, said, well, I'm not going to take any drugs. And right, maybe right. I'll possibly look into a holistic, but not really. Men don't ever do that, you know. Um, yeah, so. yeah, and he he really had an issue with committing to getting any kind of help at all. Um, but uh, with my kids, okay, so my son would have been the first one diagnosed. Um, he already had severe ADHD, so he mm-hmm. was already um, I'm not going to say being treated because <laughs> Ritalin was not what I was going to do. And, right. and I, I, that, that's its own story. But right. in the process of trying to get him help, I had a, um, oh gosh, no, I can't, a case manager. That's what it was called. I used uh-huh. to have a case manager coming to the house and this was after I pulled him out of school. Now, when I pulled him out of school, it was, 
not do the to the bipolar because I didn't even know that was a an issue at the, that time. Right. But right. I did know that he had um, ADHD, and I did know that he had. Uh, I didn't know the name for it, but I do now. Is dyscalculia? He cannot. He cannot comprehend math. He cannot do it. He has dyslexia and dyscalculia. So he was struggling in school, and I was tired of fighting the school board, and so I brought him home. That's that's the short version of that. And I brought him home, but I got a case manager because I really wanted him to get some kind of um, help or cognitive therapy or something. And so I had this case manager, and she sent him in for a full psychic eval and that's when we found out well they ah, they said he had bipolar tendencies they did okay. not they did not straight up tell me and unfortunately that's what they're doing this these days right. there is this ridiculous focus on not quote unquote labeling children yes and, yes and it really ticks me off quite honestly because it's not labeling Calling a child stupid or lazy is labeling. Diagnosing right. is diagnosing. And yes. if you do not tell me what the child's diagnosis is, I can't do anything. Right. Or and you might so, not even be able to get the help that you need because they're going to look at the, the the diagnosis and go, well, you know, I don't know if I really could put him on medication because he isn't really officially diagnosed as blah, blah, blah. Uh, like they're even starting to say, they're even starting to list kids as autism tendencies, not this child oh. has autism. They're even starting to do oh, that, I've noticed. Yeah, go ridiculous. ahead. Yeah, yeah. So but, go on. So that's what they did. They called it bipolar tendencies, and I didn't have the knowledge back then to know what they were doing. Um, uh-huh. But I do now, and I I can look back and, you know, I know I would have been as involved, as passionate, as determined to learn about it then as I am now, had I known he actually had it. But right. I didn't. I didn't right. know he actually had it, so he didn't get the help that he needed at that time. Right. And um, and now they're calling it a mood regulation disorder. So in, oh. if your child, if your child is diagnosed with a mood regulation disorder, just know that's bipolar disorder because that's what oh, they're doing now. Okay, they're not calling. They're not calling it what it is, and yeah. um, and I don't think that's helpful. But no. Um, as for my other children, what uh, the okay? As we've gone on, for instance, um, here's how I explain it because somebody asked me why I didn't take this one in or I didn't take that one in for an official diagnosis, and mm-hmm. the reason. I, you know, and I said, I said, it, it's just like Asperger's. There's no blood test. There's no, right. what are they going to base it on? They're going to ask me questions. And if I right. give the positive answer, then they'll tell me what I already know because I'm <sighs> the one telling them. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so it's really based on the parents' observations as to, to getting a diagnosis. Now, um, the the problem there is if, it, like I said, with my youngest, it didn't look like what I had seen in these teens and adults, so I missed it. But but um, 
It's just like when you're, you, you have a baby and, you know, those first sniffles, those first colds, maybe you run to the hospital, maybe you call up your doctor, maybe you take him in for uh, a checkup and the doctor says, well, that's just a cold, that's just a cold, that's just a right. cold. Ten years later, you're not still running to the doctor for colds. Right. Okay. Right. You know what a cold is. You've seen it. You know your child's symptoms, how they individually react to having a cold. So right. you know what it is. Um, right. And that's kind of how the progression has gone from me going and getting official diagnosis and 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 me not because right. with all these people in the family having it, right? I, I know what I'm looking at. Well, and <laughs> especially especially Michelle, because like you said, you're not relying on the medical community to write you a prescription for a drug. You've chosen to deal with it in a on, in a holistic way, so you don't need them. You don't need them to. Uh, pat you on the head and go, good job. We agree with you. Uh, you know, thanks for letting us know. Thank you for diagnosing your children, uh, for us. Bye bye. So, so talk about, you know, what you've decided to do and how you do treat it holistically. Cause I think that's beautiful. I mean, I think being able to, you know, I mean, I, I just believe that I, I just did a little class a couple of weeks ago for these little darling little uh, eight and nine year old girls. Right. And we're and I was talking about the different fruits and vegetables and everything that they have in them. And, you know, they were I'm talking about the papaya and how the papaya seeds have enzymes in them that help you digest your food and the, the vitamins that surround the pineapple core and how that the, those enzymes help your body with, infla- you know, inflammation. And and, you know, and as I'm talking about these things, I'm just thinking. God gave us these herbs. God gave us these foods to build our body's immunity to handle what is out there. And those drugs that have been invented, those are all based on what's been chemically already found in the plants and the herbs and, and everything. So talk about what, how you've, how, what you're treating it, how you're treating it and what the results are. Well, you're, and you're right. You're right. It, it, it's all been given to us already and and maybe the 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 man-made drugs are based on um the original plant but the right. plant itself has its synergistic qualities it has this but it also has this 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 and that and it all works together just like right. your respiratory system and your circulatory system and your central nervous system they all work together and and none of them would work very well without the other. So when you break right. those plants apart and you use one thing out of that plant, exactly. one, one little thing out of that plant, there's usually a neg, a huge negative, um, with how your body reacts to that. Exactly. But, but I've used holism for ever <laughs> for yeah. a long time. And I studied herbalism and aromatherapy and, um, although that's not even what I'm using with my, with my kids. Um, but I worked in the health food industry and so that is the way that I live. I am that, that, that home birthing, homeschooling. I am that, that, I am that. You're that mom. crazy. You're that crazy yeah. nut that's having a baby at home. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I am that, that mom. But, yeah. um, but what I have done over the years it basically has been, from observing the children, one thing I noticed, uh, was, and I don't know why I didn't notice this with their dad. I mean, I, I knew he would get very angry if 
food wasn't there right at five o'clock. I thought that was like a control issue. Yeah. Yeah. But as it turns out, it's a protein issue. It's a protein issue. Mm-hmm. When my children are lacking protein, if they go too long between meals or snacks or whatever, if there has been a, a lapse between the last time they consumed protein um, and the next time, that's when they get angry. That's when they get snippy. That's when they get hateful. And, and I'm not talking about how people, you know, say, oh, well, she, oh, she's hangry. You got that little grouchy. Yeah. Yeah. Grouchy because she hasn't eaten. No, this is, this is severe. You know, with my child who has type one, yeah, she will go into a mania. She will go into an all out delusional rage. Mm. If, if dinner, and she doesn't know what time dinner was supposed to be there. It's just her body is going, oh my God, I'm starving. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 And so, so protein is huge. It is huge. I cannot emphasize, even with no meds, natural or otherwise, Mm -hmm. I can control those moods, keep those moods basically in check by just feeding her protein all day. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So even if she runs out of whatever she's taking, the food can keep her in check for a while. Now, not forever. And if she goes right. without um, her treatment for a few days, she'll be good for that two or three days. But eventually, it's going to kick in, and and the moods are going to get out of control again. So now, have you have you eliminated things from her diet? Like, are we doing gluten free, dairy free? Are there are there other things that you've you not only are you you know watching her protein intake, but you have eliminated certain foods? Um. For a while, I thought gluten was an issue, but mm-hmm. I mean, quite honestly, all these days is, is, it, it's not what it used to be. It's not. Right. I don't believe right. that, I don't believe that God gave us a food that is harmful to us, but the wheat that people were consuming 200 years ago and the wheat that people are consuming today is not the same creature. It's just not. Right. Right. Um, it goes back to that, how I started the show with the, uh, the human experiment and how the grains are not, you know, they've been tampered with. And so the food that we're eating uh, and things that we're consuming, it's not even the same. It's not even the same. It, food. The cor- sweet corn is not even the same sweet corn. So, yeah. Exactly. And so I have not found any foods that I've seen a particular trigger. A when reaction, yeah. I've seen, I thought for a while it was wheat, but there was also something else I was basing that on. And, you know, but an A-B test says, no, <laughs> that's not it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she is not the wheat at all. Um, right. But I don't see anything that, that they can't eat. Obviously, I'm steering clear, I, but I do that anyway. I steer clear right. of packaged and processed food. I don't, I don't. Now, I will say if you run her through McDonald's and feed her that, yeah, you might have an issue. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. I will also tell you, if you try to run her through McDonald's, she's going to get mad because she doesn't want to eat that. She okay, doesn't want yeah, you feeding yeah. that stuff. That's <laughs> so, good. That's good. So, so you basically, I mean, you basically, just because of your background in general, are trying to eat a whole food, clean diet anyway. So, so, but right, you're not so, particularly eliminating certain things. But so, yeah, and right. that's. So, the only thing that oh, maybe I do differently, and it, and it wasn't really because of the bike, but again, it just goes back to the way we eat. We do dairy, but we do raw, raw dairy, raw milk, raw oh, this, raw oh. that, because the, the pasteurized, I'm not going to go into a preaching session on <laughs> the dairy right. pasteurized milk, but, right. um, 
but we had not consumed milk for my kids never even had milk until six months ago when we started um uh buying raw milk and oh okay so they grew up not having it because alexis my 17 year old she couldn't have it she couldn't so she was Um, intolerant anyway just physically Yes, she can take it, but she drinks raw milk like nobody's business. She can totally consume raw milk. And so that, you know, but I don't think that is a plus or a minus on the bipolar. Well, maybe because of the protein, it's a plus to have it there. Right. Because right. I can, I can, if, if my child is having problems eating, that's its, its own symptom. My youngest has a real problem sometimes with making herself eat or getting to a point where she can eat, but you know, I can be like, hey, well, how about some chocolate milk or something, you know, just to get that yeah. protein in and get about yeah. her brain functioning enough that she can make a decision about eating. Um, yeah. Because when she's when her protein and blood sugar levels are low, she can't make decisions. Right, right, right. She right. just can't. But right. So um, as for, you know, the diet, I don't do anything particularly different other than I I make sure that protein is constantly flowing into them and right. I, and we got rid of all of the white salt in our house and replaced it with pink salt, pink Himalayan yeah. salt. Uh-huh. Um, any of the colored salts will work, black, gray, whatever, but pink Himalayan salt has the highest mineral content. So it's good for all of us and we need, we just need it and it's very calming. Right. It cal- calms the mind. So that's, that's a big thing in my house, having the pink salt. Right. And right. so that's all in my adult kids. You go to their house, it's pink salt there too. So that's, <laughs> that's all we do. So, well, go back, go back then because we got a little off track, but go back to talking about when you decided. So you had your oldest child and you pulled him out of school. And so then with the other children, you're like, well, if I'm homeschooling him, we're all going to be homeschooled. Was that kind of what your mindset was? Actually, it was it, my journey with homeschooling was, um, Different. <laughs> I brought him home because I was tired of um, the teachers mistreating him. That's what that boiled right. down to. Exactly. Now, um, but then a f- couple of years later, my oldest daughter—well, well, my third daughter sh- or my third child—she she begged to stay home, but her reasons were different. She just being raised the way that she was being raised and like I said, kind of differently, that whole granola crunchy mom lifestyle and, you know, being very active in social causes and this and that, that, that was the kind of things that she wanted to talk about. And she was so frustrated with kids, the kids, kids in school. Her, her words to me were all they care about is boys makeup and sex. And she's Uh like, can't have, a conversation with these people, they don't know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. when she would want to discuss, you know, the war in, you know, yeah. in the Middle yeah. East or this or that, yeah. they weren't like that. So she came home. Well, then that yeah. same year, my oldest child came home. She was suffering uh, depression and that was probably the beginning of the onset for her. And I didn't see that. I knew she was depressed, yeah. but it wasn't right. until later. Like, that we figured out that, that she actually had bipolar. Um, and then, and then my youngest kids, you know, they're, they're just at home. I mean, right. by, by the right. they came along, I was, uh, this is what I do. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Cause I had the same experience. It was, uh, you know, with my own children, 
I, you know, and this, I mean, my, my last child graduated, uh, early 2000s. So things weren't quite the same as they are now in the school system. And the teachers and the school system, they weren't having to deal with the increased amount of disorders that there are, which I truly do believe are environmentally and, you know, a lot of other causes. Um, so the schools weren't as taxed as they are now. And so, um, you know, homeschooling was not even anywhere on my list of things to do. Um, but with my grand grandchildren, um, and I had, you know, I have a grandson that lives with us and I put him in the, the school that was, you know, our area school. And I was appalled. I, I, the, I wish you, I wish I would have had a GoPro on my head so that I could have videotaped the facial expression and the lack of emotion on the teacher's faces as I, as I cried and, and begged for them to help me. I'm going to them as an expert. I'm asking them, what should we do? What are some ideas? How do you deal with this or deal with that? And they basically looked at me like, lady, I have another appointment in 10 minutes. I, I gotta go. And it was so cold and so unnerving that I did the same thing through the help of a good friend. I packed that kid in the car, drove down to the school district and said, I'm out of here. I will teach him at home. Thank you very much. And um, was just amazed at, you know, so now I'm in the process of searching for another option uh, for, you know, what we, what we want to do now that he's four years older. But um, that's what you have to do as moms. And if you're blessed to be in a school system, because there are some great schools out there, if you're blessed to be in a school system where there is a heart beating somewhere and they've set their programs up to help these kids, Congratulations. You do not know how blessed you are, but it's not the, it's not the norm. It's the exception. So bravo. It, it bravo. is the exception. And, and honestly, I mean, they can't help everything. Right. And some things that they should be helping, they're just simply not. You can't go into a school system, for instance, and get help with dyslexia. Not right. going to happen. And yeah. I have three kids with dyslexia. And, yeah. um, and they don't have any systems in place for that. And I would think that affecting their reading, which is a school right. subject, would be something <laughs> that they would be focusing right. on. I can see why they wouldn't be set up to help somebody with bipolar disorder. But why are you right. not set up to help somebody with reading? Right, <laughs> you know? right, exactly. Well, and but, it's, you know what I'm finding, too, is like I said, as as we... My heart is, is, is softening and I have compassion for the public school system because as, as my husband and I are looking for other options for uh, this wonderful little boy that's living with us, you know, you, you soon find out that private schools don't have to take children that have issues. They don't have to. They're not under the same, you know, jurisdictions. They don't, they're not under the same rules. So they get to pick and choose. So they don't want kids that have issues. So they'll go, yeah, that's not going to work for us. And so your only option becomes a public school. And they've got 48 kids in a class. You know, the private schools have 17, maybe 11, you know, kids in a classroom. Now you've got 48 kids. And like I said, with the statistics of children with disorders or, you know, they this once again, you got to go watch this this documentary. But they tested the blood, the cord blood from a brand new baby who had not eaten anything, drank any water, you know, ingested anything whatsoever, had any lotion rubbed on them. And this newborn baby already had 25 chemicals in their system. Oh, yeah. So, I saw a study about that back in the early 2000s. Uh, and, you yeah. know, I owned a, I owned a green cleaning service. It was an aromatherapy cleaning service. So I already knew 
<laughs> yeah, I already right. knew what this environment will do to people. And I remember seeing those studies come out that they were testing babies that way and finding they're being born with these chemicals in them. And right, that's right. Just kind of crazy. Well, it truly is. And it, and you just in the, the one of the things I loved about this documentary was they talked about the, uh, I wish I would have brought it with me, but they talked about this, uh, there's a four dog, a four dog, uh, explanation for everything. And the first symptom is my, you know, my dog, I don't have a dog, which in other words, there is no issue. Our, our problems aren't, you know, aren't causing your problems. It isn't, it isn't our fault that you have whatever disorder you have. The second one is, well, all right. Maybe I do have a dog, but it didn't bite you. And so then you're like, well, it didn't bite me, but it bit these other people. So then the third one is, all right, my, I have a dog. It bit you, but you're not that sick, you know? And then the last one was, all right, I have a dog. It bit you. You're sick, but it's not my fault. And, you know, it was, it was, that's exactly how these huge industries go about everything because they've got to keep making money. They don't want to stop doing what they're doing. So this is the defenses that they use to explain all of these chemicals and things that are going into our system. And um, you can't help but wonder if something as simple, not simple, but something as um, what used to be considered rare bipolar disorder is becoming a little bit more prevalent. What are the chemicals doing to our ability to handle our emotions, to deal with truth, reality? Um, you know, blood sugar issues. We're eating food that isn't even feeding our body. So our blood sugar, we're not even getting the nutrients that we need to handle our, our something as simple as our emotions and then our hormones, which trigger everything else. So, um, it's really, really, I think frightening. I, I because- agree. I agree that those things definitely are, are a factor. Um, the fact that it's genetic. I think is huge because obviously if, if a person with bipolar has a child with a person that does not have bipolar, uh-huh. they, the chances are high that they're going to have a child with bipolar. So this is just going to, and it's the same with Asperger's. If you have one person yes. who has Asperger's and the other parent doesn't, you will, you, you have a, the chances are very high. Now, if you have a person, two people with Asperger's, all their children have it. And I know this from just looking at my family. Um, so um, <laughs> my two daughters are both married to Aspies and they both have Asperger's. Guess what? They got Aspie babies. They got Aspie kids. <laughs> so, um, well, and I think so, like you were, it's like you're taking things that, you know, uh, 35 years ago used to be a social awkwardness. But somehow, you know, one in every 500 children would be diagnosed with, you know, with autism. But now something's going on that's flipping that switch from a social awkwardness to a complete disorder. And that's well, where I'm talking. I'm not going to go delve deep into this because I do um, not want to put myself on one side or other of any kind of controversial thing. So I'm, I'm, I won't go okay. that far into saying things, but. Yes. I, I do, um, know for a fact, for a fact that being born with Asperger's, I see Asperger's as a variant of normal. It is normal. You can be born with it. You can be born with it in a clean eating, raw foods, vegetarian, vegan, or a carnivorous lifestyle. You can be born with it whether you vaccinate or you do not vaccinate. You can't, okay, you can be born with it. Autism, right. I can't, 
autism itself, the full autism, I uh-huh. can't, I won't specifically speak on that, but yeah. I have noticed, I have noticed with friends of mine that they have had children with Asperger's vaccinated them and they became autistic. I okay. So, yeah. Okay. Now I, yeah. I am not, I do not, I am not a scientist. I do not have all the data. I am not speaking one way on whether somebody should or shouldn't vaccinate or whatever. I'm just saying what I've seen. Right. Um, right. Right. But, right. But when you have someone who has something like bipolar or Asperger's, there is a genetic link. And so you mm-hmm. will find families full of it. And, right. um, and there is something to be said about the nutrition, whether it's even clean eating. Um, mm-hmm. my friend Aspen wrote a book called Med Free Bipolar and mm-hmm. it explains very well how, uh, the brain, the brain is starving. If you, if you start your day off with, um, consuming apple, apple cider vinegar, the real apple cider vinegar, you know, like Bragg's, <laughs> but the real apple cider vinegar, um, or, or like my, my children do start off the day with lemon water. It increases your mm-hmm. hydrochloric acid at the start of the day and you are better able to absorb nutrients for the rest of the day. And so mm-hmm. if they, my kids, adult and non-adult, whether the ones who have decided to do those things, to start their day mm-hmm. off that way, to switch to pink salt, are going months and months and months with no symptoms. Wow. Um, because, and they're handling it all with food. Um, right. Now, now I am working with a homeopath who is also a flower essence practitioner to treat my daughters who are still living at home. Uh, my youngest had been in a three-month-long depression. She always goes into a depression in the spring. Mm-hmm. When the very day the time changes, just something kicks in, and mm-hmm. and she's depressed. In the past, it was for a day or two. Last year, it was for two weeks, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's – that's so long for her. She hasn't snapped out of it. But this time it went, it went on for three months. Three mm. months she was not snapping out of this severe depression. And I had been using flower essences. I had been using homeopathy, but obviously I had hit a brick wall where what I was doing was no longer effective. Um, so I had to consult with a, a professional and she made a formula for her that has kept her depression free since May 26th. So between that and the food, making sure she eats every two or three hours, uh, she's good. She's, she's doing great. It's almost as though she's not bipolar at all. Wow. So I'm not seeing any real symptoms. I mean, she's still not on what one might call a perfect schedule, but she's not sleeping. She's not getting up at 8 p.m. and going to bed at 7 a.m. She's getting up at 11 in the morning, going to sleep around midnight or one. And to me, that's a, that's a, that's a world apart. That's a huge improvement. That's a huge improvement from what, what we were doing before. Exactly. Um, Well, Michelle. Tell everyone, because I'm sure there are people that are listening that are going to want to know more and want to connect with you. So tell everyone the, the, the most efficient way to get a hold of you and to, and to keep a contact with you. 
the most efficient way would probably be uh, sending me a DM on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at T. Michelle Cannon, but also emailing me, and that's the same, T. Michelle Cannon at gmail.com. I do blog at heartofmichelle.com. I do write about bipolar disorder, raising kids with bipolar disorder, and homeschooling on that blog. Mm-hmm. And um, follow me on Periscope. I do shows on this every week. Okay, okay, because I'm sure there are. Oh, go ahead. Say that handle again. Uh, The handle is the same as the Twitter handle. It's at T. Michelle Cannon. Okay, okay, very good. And because I think people probably do want to know more, uh, more and more mothers, I think, are experiencing what we're experiencing. And for one reason or another, they've decided to homeschool their children. And so, you know, when you make that decision, decision, the first thing you have to do is get on, get online and start looking at how you do that. So there's probably a lot of people that would like to connect with you that and then the bipolar disorder. We probably have frightened many a mother who's rocking a baby right now going, oh my gosh, you know, we didn't mean to do that. Sorry. It, it is no, normal for babies no, to I stay don't, up. Don't, don't get scared. It is, it is. And actually a baby having bipolar is a very rare thing. It is a rare thing. And if you Google it, you will have a very difficult time finding anything anywhere that says a baby can have bipolar disorder. Um, It it is not common for, in fact, it's specifically called early onset bipolar disorder. I mean, they specifically, they have named it this because it is, it is not common. So do not freak out that your baby might have it because they're not sleeping. Babies sleep like babies. That's the thing. Hence <laughs> <laughs> right. the statement, yes. Yes, hence yes. the statement, sleeping uh, like a baby, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's not a very common thing. I was just really fortunate to be you the one You were guy. just blessed. <laughs> yes, good for you. But, but well, um but yeah, I do. I'm a, I'm a parenting consultant, a homeschool consultant, and right there on my blog, if anyone needs to talk about anything, I do not offer medical advice. I do not tell people you should or shouldn't take this or take that, or that's not my job. I don't do that. I do right. offer support to people who have bipolar disorder or are living with someone, have someone in their life that has bipolar disorder. I do offer support, tips, and advice on how to deal with situations. I offer homeschooling help and I offer in general parenting help. I've been teaching parenting for 25 years. So I, I do that, but yes, I can be a support. I can say, well, if your bipolar child is doing this, you might want to try hugging them or this or saying that or not saying that I'm not going to say what you should treat them with or not treat them with. That's not my business. Right. And I don't tell people what to do with regards to that. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, and it is so individual. You do really have to know your children. You have to know your family. You have to know your background and you have to do your own research. But um, we all need to help each other. And that's what you do. And that's why I was so excited to have you on my show. Now, do you periscope at the same time every week, just as as we're closing out here, just to tell people that like every Tuesday at such and such a time or? Actually, every single day at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Wow. I scope on something every single day. And my youngest daughter, she loves cooking with me in the kitchen. So we're we're trying to put together a cooking show for 11 o'clock on Friday mornings. Uh, So we're going to start doing a hashtag kids in the kitchen, hashtag 
Foodie Friday, something like that on Friday mornings. But for right now, it is 3.30 p.m. every single day unless something happens. Like yesterday, we had a tropical storm going through here, and I was like, hey, I'm not going to get on anything. Yeah, (laughs) good idea. Good plan. Good plan. Well, thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much. I really had a great time talking with you, and I'm sure we're going to connect somewhere someday in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. All righty. Bye-bye. Oh, that was great. And I, I, I think probably you can all see why I connected with Michelle, her enthusiasm and her determination that I felt I could just feel when I was watching her periscope, uh, was just amazing. And it really inspired me to do some more research and to look, you know, at, at, um, disorders a little bit differently. And I, I appreciated everything that she had to say. So um, I hope that you as well have learned something. Again, you can listen to this podcast uh, on my blog, www.heavenandnot.com. If you have someone in your family that you feel as though might possibly be um, dealing with bipolar disorder, you might want to forward this podcast on for them to listen and uh, talk to them about what you what you heard today and see if you might be the avenue for someone to get the help that they might need. That's what we're all about here at Heaven Heaven Sent and Bent. So I hope that we have inspired you or comforted you or helped you in some way today. Have a great week. We'll talk again uh, in a couple of weeks. Next week is uh, Labor Day. So have a great, great weekend, all. Bye-bye. <laughs>